Welcome, everybody, to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. I'm your host, Dr. Mario Sacasa, and truly grateful to have another amazing episode to share with you guys today. On the show, we talk a lot about suffering and how hope is that guiding virtue that leads us and sustains us. Well, in today's episode, I'm feeling curious about joy and what does it take to actually be a joyful person? And so I thought it would be best to talk to one of the most joyful people that I know, Sister Tracy Duga. So today's episode, I welcome Sister Tracy to the show. She is a member of the Daughters of St. Paul to discuss the process of finding and maintaining joy in life, how to discern with joy and desire, looking at art as an expression of one's interior life, and how to promote joy on social media. She's a champ on Instagram. Then we end with a brief conversation about Dr. Jordan Peterson and the cultural impact of his message. When the show is done, please leave a review. I read every comment that comes my way and truly grateful to know that this podcast is helping folks. Leaving comments and liking the show helps others to find out about it. So thanks everybody. And let's get into this interview with Sister Tracy. Sister Tracy Duga, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I am very happy to talk to you. And um, I really like the title of your podcast, by the way. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I went back and forth on a lot of different options, but settled on that one a few months into this whole process before I began actually recording. So, but I, I think it's good. Yeah. I think it really captures the the essence of what I'm trying to do with the show. Some people have, have, have stated that it's uh, maybe a little too pie in the sky, um, but, I, but I think there's a lot of truth in, in trying to cling to hope being, being there, always, yes. always being there. So but thanks. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Well, how are you yeah. doing? We, we missed you in New Orleans. How, how's life in yeah. Chicago, the big city? Life is good. Um, I'm uh, really grateful to be back here. Uh, Chicago brings back a lot of memories because it was my first assignment after professing vows. Um, I was a junior professor and I was sent here for about two years, two and a half years. And um, I do, there's a lot that I remember, but there's a lot of development that's happened. And so um, it seems like there's tons more people. It could be that it's just because the weather's so good, everybody's out. But um, but quite frankly, it's a very populated, active city. And so um, it's exciting. You never know what's going to walk through the door, literally. And uh, and that is is what it's all about as far as mission goes. You know, we're we're here to um, be present to people and to offer their prayers and needs to the Lord and and to give them some hope, you know, Um So, yeah, it's a good place to be. So the bookstore is right there in the middle of the city? We are. We're right on um, Michigan Avenue. We're right by the Millennium Park, which has the big bean, if you've ever been in Chicago. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's right by the bean. Um, And we... We're pretty much right at the beginning of the Miracle Mile. Um, so, yeah, we're surrounded by like art museums on our side. And then there's a the whole Miracle Mile moving on up to the cathedral on Michigan Avenue. So, um, but yes, we definitely are right in the middle of things. Awesome. And there's tons of people. There's tons of people who work here, tons of people who live here. It's good. Amazing. I actually lived in Chicago for a few years when I was a kid. When we first came to the country, my dad... Um, was was out of work and through circumstances was able to get into a residency program 
okay. at uh, Cook County Hospital. He's a doctor by trade. And when we immigrated from Nicaragua, um, they didn't, they, America accepted his medical degree, but not his residency in anesthesiology. So he did a three-year residency there at Cook County Hospital in okay. Chicago. And so we lived in the suburbs, but that's how I became a lifelong Bulls fan because that was in the eighties and Michael Jordan was uh, awesome. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Michael Jordan was still playing when I was here in 96, 97. And, um, I remember one of the playoffs he played with stomach flu. Yeah. And that I was thought, the game. That guy is something else. That guy is something else. Yeah. You could tell he was sick and he was just pushing through and playing amazing. Yep. So the, yeah. the story is actually that he ate a bad pizza the night before. Oh. It was actually food poisoning that he had that, that game. Okay. Truth, he so. didn't look happy. I mean, you know, he looked like yep. what I feel like when I'm sick. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, all right. So, Sister Tracy, if I can say this, this will be the focus of our show for today. Um, you know the movie Inside Out? You like that movie? Yeah. So I thought that movie was kind of weird. Oh, yeah? I loved it. Yeah, well, it could be because I saw it in the middle of the night on a flight to uh, <laughs> it somewhere. Brazil, maybe. I don't remember. Or uh, Singapore. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I was like, am I dreaming? <laughs> oh, no. What is that clown thing? Oh, yeah. That part was kind of creepy. Uh, my, 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 point, my point, I guess, is that if Joy uh, was a religious sister, I think she would be you. So. Oh. <laughs> Aw, okay, you, I like the movie. Okay, she likes the movie now. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, that was a lie. You know, um, thank you, that is quite a beautiful compliment because joy, you can't fake joy. Well, I mean, I'm serious. You're. I think every time we've interacted um, on retreats or conferences or just kind of at church or things, you're just one of the happiest people I know. And, and honestly, it makes me sick, so... <laughs> Sorry. Well, you know, I can blame it on my religious community. So uh, for the, those of you who probably don't know, uh, don't know me or, you know, I'm a member of the Daughters of St. Paul. And um, we are in 52 nations. And here in the United States, we have a mother house in Boston, about 13 communities. So I'm in I'm living in one of the local communities, a smaller community, about four of us uh, in Chicago. And our mission is evangelization through the media. And our founder was priest from Italy, but he always told us, he said, you know, I'm really not your founder. Your founder is actually St. Paul, the apostle. Um, hence the name daughters of St. Paul. But one of the things that attracted me to the sisters, and I think, you know, in working with who we are and talking to people that know us, um, I remember encountering a real, like a realness for one thing, an authenticity, and then a joy, a real, just genuine capacity to be in the moment and to find the joyful stuff, the real, you know, the uplifting. And that went across the board. It could have been an older sister. There was this one sister, Mary Joan, from Italy, from Sardinia. And uh, she always would, she, whenever I would go to visit in, in Metairie, she was there and she, she realized that I liked her. Um, she made fritters. It's an Italian version of a beignet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it was like some kind of fried dough and then you put uh, sugar on it. And I was like all about it. I guess it's an Italian donut. Well, she always made me those, but she always teased me about it, about how I ate them like more than everybody else. And then down to, you know, your more introverted uh, sisters, but somehow um, there's that a real 
genuine joy. So thank you. I feel like I'm being consistent with my uh, family, religious family heritage. (laughs) Beautiful. I mean, well, that's the question I wanted to start with is, you know, how do you maintain your joy? Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it too is built in, right? You know, that God has given each of us gifts. And one of the things maybe we don't realize is that there's part of our personalities that are really provided by God to us in a way that we can really image him. And I think joy is is one of them, but it comes out of a sort of hopefulness, I believe, that's inside of me. Um, Me and my brother used to joke because he was like, he was, he was mayonnaise, I was mustard. He was strawberry ice cream, I was chocolate. He was pessimistic, I was optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as time has gone on, we realized like there's a lot more that we have in common than what we thought, you know, but, um, but I definitely come at things with a little bit of a lighter spirit. Um, and I guess it, it, that's a really good question. Um, I don't really, I can't really say I know where it comes from. I just feel that it's part of how God built me Yeah, and I'm grateful. Amen. Um, it now it has its downside, you know, there's a yin and the yang to everything. Um, I would say sometimes it can be easy to avoid difficult things or complicated things um, and tend to want to skim the surface or, um, you know, just like numb out and not feel the negative stuff. So it's it there's there's a good and a bad, I guess, to everything. But um, but I would say God built me for my vocation, too. What do you mean by that? I believe that there's a, you know, many times when people are discerning, you know, their state in life or where's God calling me. Um, some have this idea that they've got to do the hard thing, like that they've got to go against themselves to do what God wants them to do. So it's like, you know, like Jesus in the garden of agony, uh, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, my experience of discernment and vocation is that God has built in us the 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 attraction to that state in life that we're called to. And so one of the ways that the sisters helped me discern was they, uh, and I, I, I'm not sure if it was a Jesuit who used this, but talked about what resonates within you when you experience our life and our mission? Like what sets you up? What makes you come alive? What um, sets your heart on fire? And then what about our life um, desolates you? (laughs) You (laughs) What about it looks absolutely too hard and difficult? And I guess the whole point was if there's more in the life that makes you come alive, keep going with that movement. And maybe those other things are a purification that needs to happen. Um, But ultimately and basically uh, what you're attracted to tells you a lot. Um, And so it's like because that's part of who you are and that's how God puts you together. So. Yeah, I think that the vocation should be the fulfillment of that, like you said. And um, and so often I think we get that wrong. Um, maybe because in the church, we're so used to hearing all these great stories of saints who had these amazing powers of 
purification and ascetical practices that oh yeah we feel like oh well that's what I'm supposed to do you know if I right. wear the hair shirt yeah. and uh, and do the hardest thing then that's yeah, what God is calling potatoes yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> sign me up you know like that's 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 a mark of holiness yeah. right uh-huh. and and uh, so often um, I think that that goes against it um, against mm-hmm. what God has actually built us and created us for now that that doesn't mean that uh, our desires don't need some degree of purification because they do, you know, not yeah. every, every little thing that we want or, or long for is, is holy. Um, but if we do pay attention, uh, we should see some sort of compliment, some fit within vocational life. Amen. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and yeah, it's being attentive to that and, and seeing, you know, um, ultimately where, where is peace? Yeah. Where do you, do you find true peace? And that's Enjoy. across the board, whether you're discerning religious or seminary mm-hmm. or dating somebody. Like mm-hmm. it, people ask me when they're dating, they're like, why is it so hard? It should be this hard, you know, if we're fighting all the time. I'm like, no, <laughs> like you're, you're, you're dating. This is, yeah. di- this is discernment. That's what you're doing yep. right now. You're testing the waters. Testing the waters. Yep. So, but let's bring this back then to, to joy and kind of happiness, if we can focus mm-hmm. on that for a little bit. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned that, that joy and optimism is kind of part of your character trait. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of just happiness for me, for people who don't have that necessary, that trait necessarily predominant within them, I mean, how, how would you define happiness? How, how would you know when, when somebody's happy or, or, or not? Abstract mm-hmm. question. Well, I, I bring it back to um, this whole idea that it's all about the present moment. I mean, there's, there's a holiness in what is, there's a beauty in truth. Um, just today I posted, um, I do lettering and I don't get to do it as often as I would like to, but sometimes I come across a quote and it's just always like, you know, I want to letter this so that I can remember it because there's something about writing something slow that it gets into your into your being. And it was St. Vincent de Paul who said that um, the biggest, largest, best weapon we have to fight off the devil is humility. And humility, as many great writers tell us, is basically truth. And so I feel like in our approach to life, in my approach to life, can I be happy with what is and not fight it and and say it shouldn't be this way. Because to me, that's where all my unhappiness comes from, is fighting reality. And it's fighting and saying, shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, mm. <laughs> I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be feeling this. And granted, I can say that, but let me tell you, uh, when I go to prayer sometimes, I'm just this little like brain going all over the place in a way, trying to be elsewhere. Um, so how can I, God, be present to me there and actually live it with God? Um, to me, that's where I get, I get happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, it's real, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah, not fighting reality. I mean, that's very mm-hmm. profound words. And, and finding peace in the present moment, I mean, is is elusive for all of us um, because 
sometimes we are, again, just in hard situations or or we have regrets of the past or we're constantly worried about the future and trying to plan yep. and scrutinize and think, okay, yep. well, what's the next decision that I need to make? And, yep. and so then when we come into prayer and then, you know, the phones don't help either with respect. I mean, obviously this is uh, no. people who are listening to this are probably listening to it on a phone right now. So thank you, dear listeners. But, uh, but there's a place where we do get on the phone and um, so often I can't tell you the amount of times that I get on the phone and then I'm like checking and then I turn it off. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't even get on it for the reason that I needed to get on it. You know, it's, like, uh, it's, like, it's like going, yep. So then you get back yep. onto going it. Going into the refrigerator and like, what, what did I want? What did I want? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, but, but what you're saying, honestly, is so simple, but so profound because it, it is hard to, to fight those, those narratives inside of us. Um, you know, I think of happiness, I've, I've tried to... I used to articulate it in a sense of kind of being like a balance, like when we have this balance in life and things. And But balance to me now, as I'm thinking about it, uh, requires too much work. It's like, you know, when you're on a yeah. high wire and balancing, you know, the, the act or whatever, it's, it, that's a lot of mm-hmm. effort that, that requires. I, I think happiness yeah. happens more in the notion of kind of integration. It's, it's like when, you, when you're aligned, when there's like a proper alignment kind of inside yeah. of you and you just kind of feel, yeah, like you're where you're supposed to be. Um, even if it's hard, uh, yeah. and, and I think that's, that's where the gift of faith comes from to believe in God's providence and, and trusting that he is certainly guiding us and, and, and leading us along the way. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we safeguard our happiness? I guess that's my next question for you. I mean, how do you know when you're kind of getting outside of that and what, what, what do you do or what can you do to, or encourage people to do to, to reclaim, uh, that, that sense of peace? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I can only, you know, uh, repeat cool things I've heard other people say. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we all do. Um, We're all standing on the shoulders of giants. We're all stealing from others. So exactly. So, uh, so I have this, this, um, I don't think he knows, but he's, he's one of my best friends. Um, he doesn't know he's your best friend though. No, he has no idea. He doesn't know I'm alive, but that's okay because the Lord brought me to him and I learned a lot from him. Um, he's a, he's a musician. His name is Jason Upton. I don't know. And, uh, I don't follow him, um, per se, but every once in a while when I'm like, I'm needing some light, you know, I'm needing a different perspective. I'm needing to get out of Trace's head. I'll just, you know, Google, Google him. I'll Google something he said or whatever. And most recently, I must have been asking a question. I, so he's also an art brain, so he can kind of go everywhere. And I can follow that because I'm an art brain. <laughs> so he, uh, in a video I saw, he spoke about the whole mountaintop experience, which I think for us, we could even equate it to happiness. You know, like we we go through life and maybe we hit a moment where we're like, wow, I think this is beautiful. This is a, this is right. And, you know, he talked about it like, um, Matthew 17, you know, the transfiguration where Peter, James and John are with Jesus. There they are on the top of the mountain. And Peter's like, wow, it is good. This is, this is so good. I'm gonna build some tents, one for you, one for, you know, and so like, let's live here. And, He said that he, too, in his Christian walk, would have these mountaintop experiences and his understanding of faith and his understanding of God's providence. He said, it's like I felt as though 
God would take me up this mountain and then he would show me another mountain Mm. and I would see it in the distance. And I would say, oh, I want to go to that mountain. And he would start to pray and he would just feel like, God, you're going to, I'm going to put my leg out on the edge of this mountain, like on, you know, wait for you to build me a bridge so I can go to this next mountain. And he said, I prayed that way for a long time. Like, God, just bring me to the next mountain, mountaintop. And um, he felt that the Lord came to him in prayer and said to him, Jason, mountains are man-made. I'm sorry, bridges are man-made. For me, for you to get from one mountaintop to the other, you have to go down the valley. I made those. And it's this sense of we have to walk through the valley, but all the while, God wants to walk with us. And so to me, how do we, how do we go from point A to point B, which might inc- include a valley experience, is live it with God. Be conscious of God wanting to walk with you. Um, he pointed out like in the garden, God wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve who were hiding. It was Adam and Eve who were saying, oh, we don't, we don't want to walk with you anymore. We don't want to do it your way. So he said, you know, where are we? That's what God's calling out. God's calling out and saying, where are you? And can you live that with him and offer that to him as you are, you know, back to the truth thing, back to the reality thing. Yeah. And that we walk with him though. Yeah. You know, I've actually become less and less of a fan of that footprints poem as I've gotten older. And, and, oh, and, the being carried. Yeah. Cause I'm not sure. I, you know, I look back in my life. I'm like, nope, nope. I see my footprints too. You know, they're dragging. You know, yep. it's, it's more what it is. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. a line in the sand. Yeah. Oh, those are where my feet were. Yeah. Those are your feet dragging. <laughs> dragging. He's dragging his hair. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but that's, I, I believe exactly what you're saying. And, and I think that's the gift of, of our, um, of our, the Catholic tradition of suffering and, and a recognition that, that, that God allows all these things. And these are themes that we've talked about often in this show. Um, so I don't want to repeat too much for, for the listeners, but just a reminder again, that, that God's providence reigns supreme. And if mm-hmm. he's leading us through a valley, he's doing it because there is another mountaintop on the other side. Um, but that there's a process within us of, of healing, of conversion, of renewal that often happens within the valley. It's, it's often those, those struggles that we walk through that reveal our own limitations to ourselves that become part yeah. of the, the mode upon which that God uses to bring about our Christian perfection and sense Amen. of self. Yeah, yeah. So again, yeah. That, that, that's the balance, you know, is that there is an element where God does guide us through that. But then going back to what we were saying about vocational discernment, this is where it gets confusing. This is where we need a lot of nuance and where you really need a director because there is a place where, yeah, there's going to be a hardship, but it, it shouldn't be the pr- primary thing either you know, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're talking about kind of discerning and, and moving towards the, the next step. Mm. Um, so I, I want to talk about that just for a few minutes here. Like I, 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 I'm kind of both. I have the right brain, the art, but, but I also have a very analytical side. I've I, mm-hmm. I kind of, even in my, my, um, my Myers-Briggs, I'm, I'm kind of, I've actually become more Jay as I've gotten older. I've become more mm-hmm. left brain and embraced mm-hmm. that kind of more in my life. 
So even mm-hmm. when I'm suffering or when I'm discerning, I tend to really get into the overthinking and scrutinizing and kind of weighing mm-hmm. things and, mm-hmm. and thinking all that through and trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step? And we're understanding the risks and not being afraid of taking the decision, even if the risks are there, that's fine. I've done, I've done some pretty uh, bold things, moves in my life, no big deal. But I know what the risks are, great. I know what's kind of in my control or what's out of my control, great. We kind of do this, we move forward. Um, but when I've heard you talk about discernment or even prayer, and even now you're speaking, you, you always maintain the sense of levity, you know, about <laughs> it, which, mm. which I appreciate. Um, and, and, uh, I really, um, I really love. So I guess when one is making a decision about life or in a place of the sermon or really in a place of prayer, again, for you, why is it important to maintain humor or humor or levity, even in the midst of, of, of those decisions? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of that ultimate, the ultimate truth is I'm not in control. <laughs> Stop it, sister. Like, That's not true. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's so much um, about my own, even my own life that um, I I have a sort of lo- a locus in which I can make conscious decisions and choose and act and, and be, um, and, uh, the good Catholic and (laughs) (laughs) there's so much, um, that comes in to life that is completely not part of my, uh, purview. I don't see it. I don't see it coming. I'm not ready for it. There's things in, um, in the immediate, you know, the, the, just in the individual people, the otherness of people that bring in to my reality factors and, and circumstances that, um, oops, I didn't plan for that, you know? Um, and then you've got the wider community and then you've got culture, you've got so many layers. And then we have God who's the ultimate, uh, person, you know, the personal entity capable of letting us do what we can do without sticking his, you know, provident hand and controlling us. He could have done it that way. And yet, ultimately, he did not. And so, how are we called to image God? I would say, ultimately, in his capacity to let us be free. And so, there's this respect for the fact that there are things in my life that of course I can choose and I can do and I can think and I can act on, but there's going to be things that even with all of my good thinking and my good figuring out and my good intelligence, I'm going to miss something. And to have the patience and the compassion on myself to realize that, okay, I did my best and the outcome wasn't exactly what I had hoped. Can I keep walking? And that's where I meet the Lord because I see ultimately I am a needy person <laughs> just like everybody else. And this is where I, I hit a wall and I can turn to the Lord and say, can you help me here? The, the keys to remember in the midst of uh, a decision I think this is hard is uh, that we need to be a little bit more compassionate uh, with ourselves and understanding and forgiving and, and permissive 
in the right sense of the word. I think sometimes yeah. we, 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 we hear these terms and we think, oh, it just means I'm going to be sinful and do whatever. No, 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 no. But there, there has to be an element that you have to give yourself certain permission to fail and to expect mm -hmm. that failure is going to be all right. Um, and that not everything is going to be perfect. Um, and that things are hopefully in the end going to work out. And, and having that type of disposition, I think is a lot easier way of getting through life. Yeah. And I would like to say that uh, I've had moments of that in my life, mm -hmm. but I'll be honest, like in my experiences, when I've been hurt by that, I tend mm. to, I tend to put up my safeguards and try to then oh, yeah. get back into the figuring out and, and saying, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta be smarter next time. Cause mm -hmm. what's the expression? Um, fool me once, shame on you, fool me you. twice, shame, shame on me. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's true either. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, there's so much value in learning from our experiences because nobody else can do my learning. That is, you know, um, a age old truth that you can't even give somebody else what you've learned. Right. right. They have to come to learn certain things. So mistakes, um, you know, uh, outcomes that were not what you had hoped or expected, or maybe were better than you expected. That right. also happened. That does happen. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, it, it just points to the fact that there's certain things you can do and control and other things you can't. And yes, I would say to use our intelligence to evaluate those things and to review them and to say, you know, next time um, I learned this and I'm going to employ that, you know, I think that's part of our human um, capacity to 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 problem solve and to work and to be productive. I think what what can really uh, kill us in the water is just not trying. Mm. And be and sometimes you know it's sort of having been wounded in the past, or even just um, almost like. Uh, trying to prevent something from happening because in our heads we foresee this terrible failure or this terrible thing that we're afraid of, which may not even be real. Right. Hey everybody, this is the official stretch break of the show, unless you're driving and then you don't want to stretch too much because then you're going to get into an accident. But I'm taking a brief second just to remind you to find me on Facebook or on Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa. There you'll keep up with my lectures and future events that I have coming up and also thoughts that I have about culture and music and movies and other great things that I love to be able to share on the Instagram or the social medias. I truly do love talking to fans and listeners of the show. So check me out on Facebook, social media at Dr. Mario Sacasa. And let's get back into this interview with Sister Tracy. I'm I'm giving a, a lecture here in a couple of weeks to uh, Catholic charities, and by the time this show airs, I would have already done it. But the point is that it's on burnout in professional and the, mm -hmm. help, the help, helping professions is what I'm going to be talking about. And so, as I'm doing my research right now on burnout, one of the things that that that's pretty clear, or at least the way you define burnout, is just through three things: um, exhaustion, kind of workload over exhaustion, which we feel. Uh, the second mm -hmm. one is then cynicism. And being cynical mm -hmm. about the work environment, about the office, about the, the the profession as a whole, 
And then the third thing is uh, oh, negative self-evaluation. And so then mm. we, start, we start being critical of ourselves and, and feel that we're not performing up to task and not doing uh, the job as, as well as we should. And, um, wow. And, wow. Uh, I, I think that's something for all of us to kind of be aware of if we, if we find ourselves kind of facing those three things um, to then learn how to, how to disengage a little bit. Um, because the reason I bring that up is particularly the second one of cynicism. I mean, like I love mm. one of the things that the Lord has always used in my life has been humor. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I joke a lot with the boys. I like messing around with them. And, and, and even with, even in counseling, I use humor appropriately. I think even mm-hmm. in my, in my lectures, I try to crack jokes along the way just to kind of bring some levity, mm-hmm. you know, and to remind people mm-hmm. that it's okay. Um, and it's yeah. all, it's all fine. Um, and humor can be really disarming, but at the same time, humor can also be wrought with cynicism. And I mm. love, I love standup. I, I love watching standup comedians. Um, mm-hmm. I, I probably won't admit on air who all I listen to or watch, but, but I do, <laughs> <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason is because it, it, they, they kind of get their finger on, on culture and they make fun of things yeah. that's appropriately made fun of. But mm-hmm. sometimes when I'm in my own cynical kind of, kind of more depressed state, um, mm. I, I'll laugh at things that I know I shouldn't be laughing at. And, and it's, mm. it's hard to, to, to fight off then because sometimes they can just be really cynical about society. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to kind of caution that a little bit, which really, mm-hmm. really robs us of our happiness and our joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, those three, um, elements I think just can really open the door, um, for, uh, a word that we rarely use. Um, but, but it's a spiritual sadness. It's a, it's a sidia, mm-hmm. um, a spiritual sloth. And that idea that, um, you know, one of the ways that, that I, I've been helped by just understanding what it is, is that, you know, we can see that we are called to a certain of uh, greatness as individuals, as persons, as being made in the image and likeness of God. But then we see the gap between our reality and what we understand to be, you know, our calling. Um, so I'm thinking of, you know, folks that are in a health professional and they're getting cynical and they're burnt out and they're tired and they're um, negative on themselves like that can cause this even a, a depth of, of interior spiritual sadness to where we're just sort of like, well, there's no hope. You know, that's why I like your the name of your podcast, because hope is so essential in the Christian life is that, you know, yes, there's a big gap between my reality and my calling, but sin, and, and acedia makes us give up. Whereas hope says, and yet there's one who can help me. Yeah. There's one who came to die so that I could be helped by a power that is beyond my human capacity. It's called grace. Mm-hmm. And if I let, you know, if I open the way for grace to come and it, it's both natural and supernatural, it's not just I work on, oh, I work on all my spiritual stuff. No, I attend to the real thing in front of me, and I try to find ways that I can live and and find uh, a way forward for myself. And that it's not just, I'm a, I am a victim of my situation, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, Joseph Pieper says in his book on hope, 
and this quote has stuck with me, something to the effect of like, it, more than any other virtue, hope is the one where we realize that we are a creature and that mm-hmm. God is God. Yeah. And it's exactly yeah. speaking to what you're saying, which is that like, there comes a point in life, no matter how successful you are or how broken you are, whatever it is, that there comes a moment where you, where you just meet the limits of your humanity. You meet mm-hmm. the, the, the finiteness, finitude, it's the right, whatever mm-hmm. the right word is, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the limitations of our, of our being, mm-hmm. of our experience. And, 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 and it's, and God has to make up the difference. God has yes. to make up that which we are lacking. And God does that in the context of community, in the context of our neighbor, in the context of friends and family, and then even supernaturally through him, through, through grace, through the sacraments, through, through prayer, uh, that God, God does desire to fulfill that which we are lacking. And the key word for us is help. Help me. Asking <laughs> like, for help. <laughs> so I have a nephew, his name is Joseph, and he'll, he'll be doing something. He'll be like, Daddy, help. I need help. Like he won't even pause to ask for help. And so often I think we get, um, don't even realize it, but can fall into this idea that I'm supposed to su- be self-sufficient. I'm supposed to uh, not ask and not call out and not say, um, I am not sufficient to this task. Um, I need help. And, and that to me is, is the presumption of, you know, the sin of presumption. It's like believing that somehow I can su- supply for my needs and I can supply for my salvation when salvation is exactly what the word is being saved by somebody other than you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I try so, really yeah, hard to save myself though. I mean, that's, I know. It's, <laughs> I know. We all do. We, we all do. We all do. Cause it's, it, we do have faculties. We do have agency. We do have, we do have yeah. some sense of control over certain aspects of our life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what wisdom is. I quote, that's a serenity prayer, right? You know, is, but uh, Lord, yeah, give me that. I'm going to butcher it right now. Yeah. Um, the, the, the courage to th- wait, let's see. To, to change the things I, I can't. Can. And the wisdom. Yeah, some of the wisdom. Things I can, the courage. <laughs> Sorry, okay, all my all my twelve step listeners, my apologies for <laughs> for butchering. Send it, send it, send it to me, just to remind me. But anyways, that'll be another one of your art things. Um, yeah. But but the point is, I think people get it. You know, is the notion that serenity. Um, oh yeah, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can, the cur- the wisdom to whatever. Anyway, to know the difference between what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. Yeah. But that really requires a lot of wisdom and, and discipline uh, and uh, reflection. So tying this back to you're referencing Acedia, um, mm-hmm. the noonday demon, as I've heard yeah. it referred to, and the, where that term comes from is that in the the ancient monks, the Eastern monks lived a very strict ascetical life and they would stay in their cell um, the, for, for, for a long time. And, and they would wake up early. And by the time you would get to noon, you're just kind of bored being in your cell. And what would emerge would be this, this listlessness, this, this, oh, I wonder what so-and-so is doing in their cell. Or I wonder mm-hmm. if so-and-so is praying a little better or I wonder if so-and-so is having a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. And so the noon, de- noon day devil is what it was referred to. Because mm. it would emerge in this place of like, I'm not maybe feeling the fruits of the prayer as much as I would like. And 
Uh, I'm in kind of the throes of it. It's kind of the middle of the day. The day's hot. I'm in the desert uh, and uh, I'm not quite enjoying myself. And and maybe it's just a little bit better somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. then can lead to a spiritual sloth, as you spoke about, oh, yeah. or even kind of a, a melancholy, a, a certain sadness um, that can really trip us up in the spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's also that gospel of like, you know, uh, a person has a demon and then and then, you know, that she's freed from that demon. And then the place, her house is swept really clean. And then the demon, you know, goes and gets seven more of his buddies and is like, let's go take over. And, you know, (laughs) like the point is, don't you know, once you swept your heart, don't open the door to just go back to one thing that you maybe knew that was not really serving you, you know, to get closer to the Lord. And so because Jesus is basically saying he ain't going to come alone, (laughs) he's going to come with some friends and they're going to be sitting back on their, you know, recliners watching the game (laughs) and just like messing with you. So it's like a vigilance. I think it's pointing to a a spiritual vigilance that um, is really a fruit of the Holy Spirit that, of our own, we don't necessarily function like that. That's why we avail ourselves of the spiritual means that we can have access to um, that will pour grace into us so that when we have a choice to make, uh, the supernatural will will kick in, you know, or uh, reason will, will help navigate if my emotions are going astray. Um, so those kinds of things, we we don't have it all together. We need means to help us to keep our to keep our um, trajectory straight. Because uh, it's easy to veer. It is you know? easy to veer. And as you're saying, then right, the the devil doesn't want us happy. I oh mean, my gosh, he is all about it. Talk about a strategy. He wants to take you down. He does, and he doesn't want us to feel joy or to find peace in life. And so we do yep. get tempted by all these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm concerned in our culture as, as um, a postmodernism has taken over in this moral ambiguity and uh, relativism on all things, that we are falling mm-hmm. into a nihilistic age of yeah. things just not mattering anymore. Um, yeah. And what's coming to mind right now is is the the, the movie The Joker. Have you seen the, the previews for this? Have you seen it? I've seen the previews. Yeah, yeah. I, it's out in theaters now. I, didn't, I haven't seen. It. I really have very little desire to see it because as soon as the, as the movie was announced, I was like, well, well hold on a second. Like, I, I know the Joker's character. I'm a comic book fan, and so we're mm-hmm. basically going to watch a movie of this struggling comic fall into sociopathy. Like that's the narrative mm-hmm. of the movie. We're we're going to see that's a guy a who's kind of sort of healthy going to become completely insane by the end of the movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. what, what, what's fun about that? And, mm-hmm. and, and not to give any spoilers, but I guess this maybe is a little, this is a spoiler, spoiler for everybody who hasn't seen the movie yet. But I read a review that said that even in the, in the movie, the movie even by the end of it, even questions whether the whole movie was real to begin with or whether any of it was made up. And so it's just nihilism upon nihilism. It's like this, wow. this yeah. just dark cynicism of like, well, this is life. And, mm-hmm. um, and going back to the virtue of hope, it, it, I mean, I really believe that there are natural hopes. And, and I had an interview with, with a professor of, who teaches a psychology of hope, uh, Dr. Matt Gallagher. It was a great episode that I did. Um, but I certainly believe there's a natural hope. But the, the beauty of the Christian message is that that Christian hope, authentic Christian hope, um, 
is is truly a gift. It, mm-hmm. and, it, it, and in the end, it is it is what leads us to faith. It is what leads us to love, um, and it leads us to combat that listlessness or that nihilism or that cynicism inside of our heart, if we choose to believe it and and if we choose to accept it as a gift from God, that even in the midst of the challenges and struggles that we're facing, um, that God still loves us. Yeah. And one of the, one of the reviews that I read um, said something about, at least in some way, the, the way the story is told is it really outlines how, the culture that he lived in, especially the mass media culture, um, only contributed to the downward spiral. And so I guess the question, because I haven't seen the film, but I guess the question is, um, is a person like that the determined fruit of our culture? Like are all of us ultimately going to just lose our sanity Um, or I would say the the Christian proposition or question would be, or do we have agency? Can we make choices? Even if all forces are pointed in like against you, um, is there still hope for us? Um, And I would say the Christian message, you know, we just look at the cross, look at the cross, death, complete death. It would seem like annihilation and yet we have the resurrection that God died death and yet overcame. And so my hope, the locus of my hope is not in myself, in my capacity to defeat the powers, the forces against me, but in Christ, you know, that's St. Paul's whole song and dance (laughs) is in him, with him, through him. I live in the faith of Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. Scripture scholars always say that that proposition, I live by the faith of Jesus. I live in the faith. There's a, there's something in the Hebrew that can go either way, but it's like this. I'm letting Jesus's faith have faith for me Mm. in the father. And so like to live in Christ, I think that's what Paul was pointing to. You got to get into Jesus like let him believe for you because you don't have the capacity to have the faith that's needed, the great faith that's needed in the father and the fact that the father, even with all appearances to the contrary, the father loves you. The father will not abandon you. You are not an orphan. You are not, you know, just, you know, something to be, you know, an aunt to be stepped on, but you are a son. You are a daughter of a king and that his love is greater than death. And so Jesus kept that faith, even in the midst of the greatest onslaught, because we know, you know, Thomas Aquinas says, uh, Jesus is perfectly suffered, (laughs) you know, his capacity to feel the suffering that was, that was inflicted upon him was perfect. And he lived it and he suffered it for me. If I can enter that, then I let Jesus take over. And that ultimately is surrender, which is funny how it's the opposite of control. (laughs) Amen. Well said, sister. Well said. Well said. If we just with the movie here for a few more minutes, if films are a reflection of culture, I think at least it's storytelling. And if 
lots mm-hmm. of people going out and buying tickets to watch this movie. And if it's getting kind of a buzz, then it's kind of communicating, I think, something about our society. And um, I mean, but how do what I'm trying to ask here? Like art, art's a beautiful medium. I love art. And I know mm-hmm. you said you had an art brain and you kind of think artistically or creatively and, mm-hmm. and kudos. Mm-hmm. I'll give you right now. Kudos to your, your Instagram and, and Facebook. Uh, oh, s- thank you. <laughs> Sister T letters. What is, what is it? Sister T. Yeah. yeah. So I spell it correctly as a New Orleanian would probably <laughs> spell it. S I S T A H underline T E E. So that's how you can find me on Instagram. But yeah, Sister T letters. Yeah. I've been doing that for a little bit. Yeah, but you use the medium appropriately uh, to to communicate positive messages, messages of hope, and you use the art form uh, with the colors uh, appropriately and beautifully. Um, so how how you ask the question is is this man's demise kind of a, a determinism of what will happen in our in our culture? Um, if that's the case, if we just hold that as as one possible answer, how could we then? use social media and the arts to not feed nihilism, to not feed self-destruction, but to be an agent for positivity or growth or faith? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And that's the very question that my, um, my community and my charism asks every morning, every afternoon, you know, we eat it for breakfast, we eat it for lunch, we eat it for supper. <laughs> you know, it's something always on our hearts. Like what, what is it that um, a Christian is called to do here? Who, wh- who am I now? Who am I here? How can I be Christ for these people um, who are maybe my little audience, you know? Um, so I think there's different approaches um, and some can overlap. But for one thing, and this is definitely, I would say, the area where we probably have the most, at least individual sisters and even as an entity, is to be creative um, for the good, you know, to creatively communicate uh, what you're passionate about, what you're convicted about. And if your, con- if your conviction is uh, there is hope, there is God, <laughs> he is good, then whatever uh, my output is can somehow proclaim that depth of truth, because that's the beautiful thing about communication is we're manifesting our soul in the material world. Mm -hmm. That's what the word does. And Jesus shows us the word was spoken and the word became flesh. And so how am I giving a, a body and eyes and ears and a shape to what is inside of me. Um, and, and that, that's a holy thing. That's a powerful thing. So, and, and it might be, you know, specifically you, you know, like, uh, you might throw in a joke here and there and be unexpected or, um, it might not look like the next person. And so that's good because to, as, one of my sisters always tells me and I tell her um, to compare is to despair. <laughs> so if we're talking about hope, um, be steady about who you are and develop that because the other person has to work on them. You know, you can't take over their, their life for one thing. That's a, that was a digression, but anyway. Um, and I would say bringing to your use of media, 
your own Christian convictions and how you critically look at and listen to what is being presented. So, uh, you know, and criticism in the positive sense, like asking good questions and uh, challenging what may not um, jive with what you've come to know to be true. And so, and then to have maybe a conversation, a dialogue. Now, granted, depending on the forum, dialogue, conversation can have its fruitfulness and yet can also have its, you know, well, that went down the toilet real quick. <laughs> you know, So I think everybody has to discern the gifts that they've been given and see um, what what will they engage? How will they engage the culture in such a way that um, questions are being asked and challenges are being made, especially if things don't don't reflect the tr- the whole truth of things? You know, what about it doesn't? You know, why? Um, and then maybe in uncovering what those things are, we can make the proposition of of what and who we believe in. And there may be, you know, uh, Jesus would come forth as, as a true answer and not just a, you know, superficial um, statement. I mean, I think at some point we have to look at these things and say, uh, man, we got to walk up the ledge. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like at what point do we, do we come back and, and ask these more fundamental questions. And, and again, the church is not doing herself any favors in evangelizing. Obviously, the scandal of the last year and a half has kind of stripped mm-hmm. the church of any sort of moral authority, um, which is quite difficult then when you're trying to preach the gospel um, to, to a world that still needs it because there's no age, there's no moment, there's, there's no moment where the where gospel isn't, isn't, isn't needed or isn't the answer. Um, but I think... As you're speaking, uh, what I'm hearing you say is, again, that whatever your little circle of influence is, whatever your little bubble of the world, whatever plot of the garden that you have, if you bring truth to that, if you bring beauty to that, if you communicate the gospel to that, um, then then good things will happen. Um, Yeah. and, And not in a prosperity sense. I mean, suffering will happen. Hardships may occur. Pushback might happen. But but at least you know within yourself that you have you've done what God has asked you to do. And I think too, is what I'm communicating consistent with what I'm living? So if I um take my, you know, if I'm really, really good at uh, for example, Twitter, and I'm really good at saying everything I want to say in so many characters, um, but I'm very biting and I'm very, you know, uh, condescending and, you know, whatever. Um, is is my proposed witness to Christ um, being covered over by the by the very fact that my actions aren't showing that I'm a Christian and that I am a believer in Jesus. Um, so in so many ways, I'll flip that and say, go home and love your family. Go home and be with the people that are in your immediate circle, you know, and, and then if you have time, <laughs> <laughs> go into the culture and, and, you know, have 
these these types of uh, critiques or, or questions. And but everybody has a different way that they balance all of those things. But I just I really feel that there's so much that can be said for who who is seeing me face to face and do they get to see my face or is my face buried in my phone because I'm so busy about my presence on social media, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I, I think about this, this mom, she was uh, with her three-year-old and she just picked up the the little girl from her, um, from uh, daycare. And the little girl was just so excited to talk to her mom about the things that had happened to her, but her mom was busy, you know, on her phone. And so she's like, mom, I really want to tell you this thing. And, and her mom's like, I'm listening. And she said, I'll wait. And mom's still texting and she goes, mom, I really want to tell you something happened. And she said, I'm, I, but you can tell me now I'm listening. And so finally the little girl looked at her mom, pulled the phone away from her and held her face. And she said, mommy, I need you to listen to me with your face. <laughs> and so that's kind of the question. Am I listening? And this, you know, you can interpret that in any way when I'm listening to a person Am I giving them the gift of my presence? Right. Now, I've had that story also, but I'll, I'll play the parent side of this also, just, just to have some balance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, That's the next side. <laughs> the, the, the other side is, guys, I'm in the middle of something. Like, you see I'm in the middle of something. I really want to hear what you have to say, but you, gotta, you, you have to give me a minute because that thought that came into your head has to, it, not every thought that comes to your head has to come right out immediately. Like, so there's right. also a place of like, I love you. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but let me yeah. finish this text because I'm in the middle yeah. of this or I'm going to finish this email. I'm going to put it down and then I will give you my attention. It, the other thing is um, that because I have four boys and they're all extroverts, extroverts and they all love to talk and share everything that's happened, which is such a gift for me. I love it. I'm going to miss it when they get older, obviously. But I love that I can come home and they all share, but they all want to share at the same time, you know. Same so, time. So yeah, yeah. So I, the other day we were at dinner and I said, <laughs> I said, because I'd be kind of telling them guys one at a time, one at a time. And so I was at dinner and I just kind of dropped casually. I said, you know what I learned today? And they said, what, Dad? I said, you know, the human brain can only process a hundred bits of information at one given moment. And when you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody, that only that that requires sixty bits of information. Mm. And the boys are like. My Isaac, my 11 year old goes, so what you're saying, dad is. What you're saying is we can't hear what we're all saying when we're all talking to you at the same time. I was like, yeah. yes, that's you exactly could, what I'm saying. If you were Italian. <laughs> I could if I was Italian, but, but I'm not. Sakasa is Nicaraguan, Indian. not Italian. Yeah. You know, yeah. contrary to popular opinion. No, you're right. And there, those two points are very, are very true. I, I think the whole you know, that idea of, um, of being able to take in only so much, um, is very true, but it's also being able to give, you know, give that gift to, uh, to someone who at the moment you discern, you know, it's like, it's time. I need to talk to this person. <laughs> right. Know? So how can we then use social media art as, well, how do we use social media as a genuine artistic expression of the good? Well, I mean, I think every person is going to discern their own gifts and some are artistic, some are not, you know, um, but I feel that 
whatever it is that we produce and communicate, that it comes from a real place. Mm -hmm. And it might be that your real place isn't flowers and butterflies. Um, But again, it goes, nope, it goes to that authenticity, um, sharing in a voice that is true. Um, and that comes from a, a real place because, you know, people could smell a rat. They can tell when we're not being genuine. And that's the same in our whatever it is that we communicate. So, right. Um, well, I think the concern is that to get popular on social media, on mm-hmm. YouTube, y- you have to be clickbaity. I mean, I think I it's, just, it's just pretty clear that you have to have something yeah. that hooks people right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I get that. Uh, but there's an element of that that just sometimes to me just seems a little manipulative and, and uh, you know, you're trying to get people's attention just for the sake of it. But you need to, if you want to be successful in these platforms, right. um, something ha- does have to capture people immediately because you're competing mm-hmm. against the thousand other images that are coming at them or sounds that are coming at them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the challenges, um, I'll say. Yeah, I, I agree. And I've, I personally um, haven't figured that out. I mean, I think that we have, we have some sisters that fell upon it. Um, and, and one of the things that I think augments that is they're consistent. They're not, they're not, um, they don't disappear for, you know, uh, months on end. They, they're, they have a relationship with their people and, and they're consistent in, what they convey. And I think that that, um, and there's a genuineness. So, uh, I'm thinking of sister Julia, she's on Instagram and she's kind of Insta famous and, um, (laughs) hashtag social media influencer. I know. And, and her whole thing was, she just likes pretty pictures and good quotes and puts them together in a very insightful way and has a great following on Instagram. And yet she will throw in here and there, um, some personal things, but not, it's not just her. It's not all about her. And so I think there's that little, I, at least what I notice is there is like a nice little combination of, um, creating something, but also sharing who you are. And just, I think we each have to find the balance in that. I could say I have found that in this show, um, that's been a gift for me doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I'm not artistically, I have an artistic mind, I will say, but I'm not uh, gifted in drawing or in paint. Mm-hmm. That, that That's not anything that I'm, I'm just capable. I can maybe draw a stick figure. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe. If your life uh, depended it, on it. If my life depended on it, <laughs> I could draw a stick figure uh, yeah. and give it a gender by putting a skirt, a triangle. Okay. But anyways. Triangle. Um, Got it. <laughs> and I tried a guitar in college and I got so far and then, you know, I could read chords and, uh, but, but I found for me personally, the online medium has been a great place of artistic kind of expression. I, I can mm-hmm. do visual. I can, I can lay out pictures uh, in a certain way and be attentive to the colors that are being presented on the post. Um, I can pick cool, groovy music for my podcast that people always tell oh, me. Oh, sweet! <laughs> and 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 do a show that I hopefully is is both entertaining and uh, informational for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the 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 compliments that I received consistently with the show that I didn't even realize was my voice. People are like, "Oh, you got a great radio voice." I was like, "I had no idea that I had such a thing." You know, yeah, but you don't know it until you do it. And right, so right. I guess to me, it's a little bit of encouragement to people is is to to try something. 
And you might stumble on something that, that works for you and you didn't even mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And I think that that points to, you know, when you be you, you inspire other people to be them. Amen. Pretty simple, but it's kind of true. You it, know, when you do you well, other people say, hmm, maybe I can do me. And I try to do her. I'll do me. But sometimes you think her is better. That's I know. Pro- that's the problem. But there we go. Back, Back to it. To, comparison. to compare yeah. is despair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a few more minutes or you got to get rolling. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I have about maybe 10 more minutes. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I wanted to talk about this and maybe we don't have enough time to do it in justice. So we'll, we'll save it for the next time. But I do want to quickly share that you and I are both fans of Jordan Peterson. Ah, yeah. And, and, um, and connected to everything we're talking about. Uh, and maybe we'll have another conversation that we can kind of expand about this. But a story mm-hmm. that I want to share, at least for the listeners, so they can see kind of um, our fandom to this is la- the last time we ran into each other was in Dallas, of all random places, at yeah. uh, a ministry <laughs> conference last fall. Mm-hmm. And I got there on a Thursday. I think it was a Thursday. And, and we set up, me and Jason Angela, we got there to promote something for faith and marriage. And so we set up our booth. And then we were walking from the convention center to the hotel and there was a, a music venue that was there kind of halfway between the convention center and the hotel. And I was like, oh, look at, let me look at the, the board and see what acts are coming and who's coming. I was like, oh, cool. That guy's that'd be great to see him or whatever. And then it said Jordan Peterson. And I was like, Jordan Peterson. I said, like, when is he coming here to Dallas? And it said Thursday, October 17th. And I was like, that's today. <laughs> so I like immediately like grabbed my phone, bought two tickets on SeatGeek as one of those things where I know my, I didn't even have to ask for permission and my wife would, would totally support the fact that, that I would go see him. So then later in the day, we run into you and we start talking about Jordan Peterson and we're like, well, you want to come? And you're like, well, let me see if I can come. <laughs> yeah. And then you came and it worked I out did. and it was beautiful. It was so cool. Yeah. So yeah. for people who don't know who he is or what we're speaking about, who, what, yeah. What what would you say to somebody about this Canadian psychologist who has kind of taken the world by storm? Mm-hmm. I would just say that um, he one of the quotes that I did letter and it was his. Um, he said something like, uh, attend to the day and aim at the highest good. Which I thought, wow, that's what we've been talking about. Like, it's all about your again, your trajectory is the highest good but attend to what's in front of you. And one of the things that, you know, YouTube fed me uh, Jordan Peterson in these like random things. And I heard about him on a podcast and it was just kind of random how I started to hear about him and hear him. And one of the things that I felt was so refreshing about him is his call to personal responsibility to just let um, your to utilize your own capacity to do what's in front of you, to s- attend to it. And even if it's simple, even if it's humble, um, even if you're not, because his point was, you've got all these people wanting to change the world, um, but they can't, they can't be kind to each other. There's a big gap. There's a missing, there's a missing link. And so, um, And to me, my heart tells me the missing link is, you know, again, like Mother Teresa said, go home and love your families. Like be with the people that are in your immediate community, circle, friends, and find the way to respect them, which 
ultimately also requires of you treating yourself as somebody, as he says in one of the chapters of his books, as somebody you would find worth helping. Treat, treat yourself that way, you know? So I find his information and his wisdom, he has a lot of wisdom. Um, I don't understand a lot of his biblical uh, um, takes. Um, I don't agree with everything he says, but I do find that he has, he has a voice of wisdom. You could almost say a prophetic voice um, in our culture today. And, and I also see that he suffers um, and that he's willing to take the bullet which I think is also, uh, especially for young men, calling on our, uh, the, the masculine vocation to, to protect and defend those who are weaker and also to be a provider. And he, he articulates it in ways that I find refreshing. So, um, and also to find within the feminine vocation the ways that we are called to uh, protect and defend the week and also to be providers as well. So I've gotten a lot out of his. I have too. I have too. Now again, caveat, he's, he's not Catholic and I'm not sure. um, He gave a great lecture recently about his belief in God and what that means, um, which is very insightful and, and, but still limiting. Um, But even with those limitations for me personally, he's, he's, he's been a godsend. I mean, you said prophetic and I would, I would echo that statement. That I just, there, there's a few times in my life where I've just come across the right book at the right time or the right voice at the right time. Mm-hmm. And, and he's one of those for me. And he yeah. really, really stands out in, in my life as somebody who I, I needed to hear what he's communicating. And, mm-hmm. I, and not just needed to hear, but I needed to hear it at that right time. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, his 12 rules for life beautifully. The, the, the rule for me, honestly, is that stuck out. And even now, as I continue to chew on it, is speak the truth above all else, you know, or, or at mm. least don't tell a lie. Yeah. And, and the implications of, of when we don't communicate the truth are significant. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, I guess I would encourage anybody who's listening and doesn't know about Jordan Peterson to check him out. Um, he will challenge you. He will convict you. You may not agree with everything he says, but at least he's communicating uh, some profound truth and messages that need to be communicated in our day and age. Uh, things that have been lost, like personal responsibility and, and not just blaming society for all of our ills, mm, but, mm-hmm. but, but learning what it merely means to pick up the cross and, and to, to be the person that you are intended and created to be. So, Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I did find about him that I found was refreshing was that um, he was very precise in his in his speech. Very. So when he explains something, he says it with uh, intent and with, um, with a, a lot of everything of, of his, everything engaged, right? So when he says something and he's questioned on it, he knows exactly what he said, right? which in our culture, um, you don't always see that because many times, uh, when a person's responding to maybe a challenge that we pose, we're already formulating our our next thing, and so it it just again in showed me that this guy's trying to live what he's saying, which again uh, is very refreshing. And so I thought it was worth listening to. Amen, amen. Okay, so a couple questions here as we're kind of wrapping up our interview. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything to plug? 
<clears throat> concert oh, and anything coming yeah. up that uh, yeah. you may want to so, talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah we do um so yeah the daughters of saint paul um i'm part of the choir and i've been a part of the choir since 1992 i was a baby postulant underlined the word baby as a baby so, um, you and were I've been singing. to the community at birth. Is that? Yeah, I was basically <laughs> given to, yeah, no. <laughs> so I've been singing with the sisters, um, and we started doing concerts, um, in different parts of the country. And so this year we are going to be in New Orleans, um, and in Lafayette. So we have two concerts in Louisiana. So the Lafayette concert is Wednesday, December the 11th. 7 p.m. and in New Orleans on Tuesday, actually. So the first concert in Louisiana that we're having is Tuesday, December 10th, and that's going to be at the Jefferson Parish Performing Arts Center. And it's just, I always like to say it's like a nun variety show. <laughs> <laughs> so we do Christmas music, which is a lot of fun. And then the sisters, basically, we just share um, maybe short testimony or stories or things that we encounter in doing our mission and the proceeds of all the concerts go to expanding and, and advancing our mission. So, um, we would love to see you all there. Uh, you can call our book center in, um, Metairie to get tickets. Um, the phone number there, I don't know if I remember right. it offhand. What about for listeners that are coming that are outside of the Louisiana, New Orleans area? Yeah, How could they... How can yeah, they see if if the if yeah, the non variety show is coming to a city near them? Yeah, so you can go um, pauline dot org slash concerts, and that will take you to all of our shows. So instead of the masked singer, this is like the the habited singer. Yes, <laughs> we're the habited singer, and we never cover our face except <laughs> maybe we will. I don't know the veiled singer. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's us. <laughs> that's it. Awesome. Well, mm -hmm. it should be a great show. And again, you gave your Instagram earlier and we'll put links to all of this in the show notes. So if yes. anybody has yes. any questions, it'll be there for you. Mm -hmm. Final question, Sister Tracy, I ask all my guests, what gives you hope? Well, short answer, Jesus. <laughs> and the fact that he has a blessed mother who, you know, when I think the communication line has gone stale with the Lord, I turn to her in prayer and I say, can you talk to him for me? And somehow, some way, a light will come, hope comes. And she's, talk about real, she is real. So, and actually, if you talk to Mary enough, you're going to also see that she has a great sense of humor. <laughs> she's funny. Some of my best jokes come out of the prayer that I prayed that she gave me some insight and it was funny. So there you go. I know that might seem kind of out there, but that's me. Perfect. Well, sister out there, we appreciate you being with us. Anytime. <laughs> God bless. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks. It was great talking to you. Thanks, And know Tracy. that all your listeners are held in every prayer that the daughters of St. Paul pray, because we pray for the digital continent. We pray for the media. We pray for those people who are present there. So know that you're being prayed for by us. Amen. Well, that's very comforting and, and hopeful. So amen. All right. We'll Bye. see you. Okay. Thanks.
Okay, that brings our show to a close today. Thank you to Sister Tracy for joining me on this episode to talk about joy. Takeaway for me, honestly, from this conversation is just a gentle reminder that if we stay within our lane and we truly believe that we're doing the right thing, that we will find joy, that we will be able to operate within the limitations that God gives to us. And within that, we receive the grace that he wants to give to us. So stop looking at somebody else's Instagram account or somebody else's Facebook account or comparing yourself with other people because none of that brings you joy in life. So stay true to who you are and give expression to that. And God will certainly bless that. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to check me out on Facebook and on Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Have a great day, everybody. God bless and be good.